thank you for so much for coming to worship with us. Do remember family night out. Um, we are excited about that, and it will do you good. It will do you good to just come out and fellowship. People's going to be outside. Everybody's going to be outside. And uh, so when you talk and spit on people, the wind will blow it in the other direction, so it'll be okay. So everything's going to be good. Thank the Lord. So come out, bring your own lawn chairs and cold drinks, as we've announced, and we're going to have a great, great time. So get online and sign up. Don't do it now. Wait till after church. And, uh, but we'll have a great time. <clears throat> Thank you, praise team, for taking us to the throne, our production booth. Thank you. Thank you, folks, so very, very much. It's been powerful here today, and every song they've sung has just funneled right into what I want to preach to you today. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 13. If you have your Bibles, it's always encouraging to hear the pages turning. So thankful Brother Dave introduced this, and um, uh, thank you for participating, cooperating. And I do want to say about Hadley Coley here today, <clears throat> If we all worshiped like she did during the worship set, we would be running the aisles and tearing this building down. I'm telling you, she was pointing her finger and just up to God and just clapping and jumping and so inspiring. So inspiring. Thank you, Hadley, for worshiping the Lord so beautifully. Don't mean to embarrass you, but she's loving every minute of it. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 13. <clears throat> Now abideth faith, hope, charity. These three. But the greatest of these is charity or love. The greatest of these is love. I have a very unusual title for my sermon today. But I'm going to title it, The Least of These. If the Bible points out that one of these three is the greatest then what is the least? What is the one of perhaps lesser value than the other two? I don't believe the Bible means that literally because the love of God is more powerful than we can comprehend. And the love of God engages whether we do or not. But faith and hope really doesn't engage until we do. God loves you no matter what. But if you want that relationship to bloom and blossom, then you have to engage hope and faith, right? Is everybody on board? Uh, we all get faith. I think we do. We're still here. I want to I'm proud of the church. I'm proud of the church around the world. I'm proud of Grace Church here today. You people are resilient and amazing. So we understand faith. I'll preach to you today perhaps about the most least understood of the three. I want to talk to you today about hope. My title is The Least of These. Everybody say, thank God for the word. <clears throat> thank you for your standing. You may be seated. During the century that ended in 1999, we saw more major fulfillment of prophecy than all the years prior and are still seeing even more and more come to pass uh, as time goes on. The events unfolding around the globe today are another significant step closer to the conclusion of history as the scripture describes it. <clears throat> I am not seeking to 
sensationalize the political and military actions, especially the political environment that we're in right now. I'm not here to sensationalize any of that and all the actions that are being taken around the world, but to share with you my conviction that we must not overlook their significance to the spiritual climate of the world. And I do believe as, as negative and as harsh and difficult as all the political stuff is, even around the world that we're in right now, I, this is more upheaval than I've seen in my lifetime. <clears throat> I believe there is, I am confident that there is a spiritual climate that is beginning to unfold. I believe people are seeing the significance of Scripture now more than you ever have before. I had a thought hit me yesterday, and I, I want to say what I believe and without conviction, and I'm not going political here. But there has been a whole lot of in our news for the past three or four years about China and different political figures colluding with China and China this and China that and China this, China that. We've all heard that. It occurred to me this week that we know that China is a powerful player in Bible prophecy. Yes, it is. And uh, could it be that before this is all over with, and depending on which party is elected and what have you, that we might fall in closer behind China than what we think and actually become some kind of an ally or a part of that nation and its political views around the world, especially towards the Jewish people. But again, I believe that as a result of this, all this political upheaval and all the social unrest that's going on in our country, there is a spiritual climate developing as well that I believe is going to be very positive for the church. I want to be very sincere and very complimentary here today, but I'm standing in front of a whole lot of very hard-headed people. Amen. Nobody's rolling over. Nobody's throwing up a white flag and surrendering and say, okay, I give up, but we're fighting every day in prayer and Bible study and faithfulness and giving. Uh, Grace Church has exceeded its offerings that we support globally and what have you this year. In spite of all the stuff going on, I believe the church is a fighter and the church is going to win and everybody say amen. <clears throat> And this up-and-coming presidential election, I hope you're all planning to vote. I hope you're all planning to vote. And all I can say is God help us. <clears throat> Many non-Christian and even Christian people are sensing for the first time a genuine sense of hopelessness. Where we have people that are full of faith and full of hope. We have some even maybe a part of Grace Church that is beginning to feel a sense of hopelessness. There is an anxiety as to how this escalating conflict will radically change life on this planet. A fear of increasing terrorist attacks and, oh my goodness, political fanaticism, uh, social unrest. So what hope can there possibly be for a better world for our children and grandchildren? Where can we find new for the present, let alone our future? Where can our friends, family, neighbors, and colleagues turn for hope? There are so many ways that 
hope seemingly is being shattered. All around us today is broken bodies with sickness, disease, and disaster. Broken homes, divorce, violence, debt, and even death. Broken lives, drugs, alcohol, crime, bereavement, desertion, broken dreams, ambition, failure, defeat, disappointment. These all seem to be symptoms of our modern society and today are affecting millions of people, depriving them of peace, happiness, and ultimately hope. The Bible said, the wise man said in Proverbs 13 verse 12, Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. We are very mindful of Jesus coming to earth as our Savior some 2,000 years ago. He came to a lost world and brought us the hope of being found again in the grace of God. He came to a spiritually blind and deaf world and brought us the hope of restored sight and sound. We should see Him and hear His voice again and again, a comeback into restored communion with Him. But to funnel down into my subject today, hope seems to be the Cinderella of the threesome found in 1 Corinthians 13, 13. Faith, hope, and love. But hope is seemingly the one always left out. Hope is never taken to the ball. It's never taken to the dance, figuratively speaking. We hear a lot of messages on faith. We hear a lot of messages on love. But not so much do we hear specifically of this hope. Peter said in his epistle, in 1 Peter 3 and verse 8, Finally, brethren, be ye all of one mind, having compassion of one another. Love as brethren, be pitiful and courteous, not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing, but contrarywise blessing, knowing that you are there unto call, that you should inherit blessing. For he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips that they speak no guile. Let him excuse or hate evil and do good. Let him seek peace and ensue it. For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous, and his ears open unto their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. And who is he that will harm you if you be followers of that which is good? But and if you suffer for righteousness' sake, happy are ye, and be not afraid of their terror, neither be troubled. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is within you with meekness and fear. I want us to consider for a few moments this morning this dream of hope in a hopeless world.
the Bible fully understands that hope is vital to all living people. There are so many ways that hope is shattered. If you'll notice with me today, we can live some 40 days without food, 8 days without water, 4 minutes without air, but only a few seconds without hope. Do What do we mean by hope? What did Peter mean by hope in his letter? The word used in the Greek is elpis and means a favorable and confident expectation. It has to do with a positive vision of the unseen and the unknown future. It's most frequent use in the New Testament. It talks about the happy anticipation of good. Titus said in chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, Paul, a servant of God and an epistle of the Lord Jesus Christ, according to the faith of God's elect and the acknowledging of the truth which is after godliness, in hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began. Everybody said amen. amen. Hope is not wishful thinking or a vague aspiration. It's not wanting things to turn out well while remaining uncertain that they actually will. Hope is the absolute certainty. Hope is the absolute certainty we have that God is good and that His promises are true. Hallelujah to God. Hope is actually manifested in Jesus Himself. He is our hope. Colossians 1.27 says, Christ in you, the hope of glory. I want to take a moment. I've read a lot of Scripture here today, but that's where hope is found. It's in the Scripture. You're not going to find it on your favorite news broadcast. You're not going to find it on the television or in the books you read in the places you go. There's only one source for eternal hope, and that's found in the Lord Jesus Christ. Everybody clap your hand to Jesus today. In Ezekiel 37, a very familiar reading to most of us here today. Beginning with verse 1, Ezekiel said, The hand of the Lord was upon me and carried me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley which was full of bones and caused me to pass them round about. And behold, there were very many in the open valley and lo, they were very dry. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? I think Ezekiel was incredibly appropriate, very courteous. I think he was eloquent in his answer. I'm not sure I'd have been so quick on my feet. Son of man, can these bones live? <laughs> what do you think, genius? Look at these bones here. No, they can't. That's what I would have said. Right, Sister Murph? <laughs> she says, yes. But he more appropriately answered, Oh, Lord God, thou knowest. <laughs> I don't have a clue. 
probably not. Again, he said unto me, and this is where the challenge gets difficult. Prophesy unto these bones and say unto them, O ye dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Hallelujah to God. That's what's in me right now is to stand behind this reverent desk and preach to this church today. Thus saith the word of God. And it's our duty and it's our obligation. I need four or five people on your feet right now saying I'm behind the preacher. I need for somebody to say to God, yes, these bones can live. And the reason they can live is because I'm full of love. I'm full of faith. But as much or more than that, I have hope in a future with the church. God, I feel the Holy Ghost. Woo! Thank you. You may be seated. I cannot imagine how stupid Ezekiel must have felt. This would be very synonymous to make this relevant, this story relevant. It's for me to come to this pulpit today and tell you, uh, just theoretically speaking here today, that uh, Grace Church, I had an experience with God last week, and he asked me to go out to Green Oak Cemetery on Florida Boulevard. And he asked me, can all these people out here live? And I said to God, only thou knowest. And he said, why won't you start preaching to these people? And you would have looked at me like, you would have been worthy of that stare for once. You would have been entitled to that stare at me for once. But the prophet obeyed. Thus saith the Lord God unto these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter into you, and you shall live. They were not about to experience love, and neither were they really about to experience faith. What he was giving them was hope. As pitiful and as deteriorated and as far gone as you are, it ain't over, baby. Do we get that? It ain't over. It's not till the fat lady sings. It ain't over until God says it's over. I don't care how long they've been dead. You think Lazarus being dead for four days was a big deal? How long have these people been dead? I don't know that the Bible said in the vision how long they were dead. But there was no meat, no flesh, no bones, no organs. There was nothing left but dry bones. And the prophet, oh my, you're not hearing me today. God's not done. Oh, he's not done. I want you to understand, I'm not preaching love today. I'm not preaching faith today. I'm preaching about a hope that only God gives and that only comes from God. I have hope today. Okay, sit down, look at your neighbor, and just let him and go, Woo! That's better this time than last time. We're winning the lottery right now. He said, I will lay sinews upon you. I will bring up flesh upon you. I will cover you with skin. 
I put breath in you, and you shall live, and you shall know that I am the Lord. And he said, so I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I prophesied, there was a noise, there was a shaking, and those bones began to come together, bone to his bone. And when I beheld, lo, the sinews and the flesh was come upon them, and the skin covered them above. So now, at this point, see, what Ezekiel maybe wasn't thinking, I'm not going to lay any fault at his feet. He's been far more courageous, I think. I don't know. I don't know if I'm wise sometimes or just stupid. When I feel like God tells me to do something, I'll go do it. So I probably would have done this. I don't know if it's being out of obedience or just being ignorant. God told me to do it, and I'll just go do it. But see, what uh, Ezekiel wasn't really processing is God had done even greater than this before. This was no big deal to God. When you think about how Adam came to be, at least God had bones to work with in this case. Y'all getting on board? Can you imagine being God? Has anybody ever seen pictures? Perhaps you've done it. You've been on the beach and made a, like a human body out of sand. I've seen pictures of it. It reminds me that that's what God was looking at when he made Adam. Now what I'm going to do? Tell you what, you want to feel like a hero? Go to the beach and form something that looks like a man out of the sand and make it come alive. That's what God did. He forms this good pile of dirt with arms and legs and fingers and a head and a neck and ears and all that. And now what am I going to do? And he did the most natural thing on the planet. The most simplest thing on the planet. Believe it or not, you do it all day long. All night long. Every day of the week since you've been born. And that's breathe. Hope. Is that easy for God? Don't get too excited on me now because I got some more preaching to do. (laughs) I got to get through this sermon so y'all settle down a little bit. God looked at that ball of dirt and did what you're doing right now. And it set straight up as a full, living, bona fide human being. So what is a valley of dry bones to God? I love preaching about God. You know why? Because He can do anything. You can never exaggerate with God. You can never overextend God. You can never come up with something that's too hard for God. If he can make Adam and then put him to sleep, pull a rib out of him, and make a woman out of that, oh, his valley of dry bones, no problem. All I've got to do is breathe. Then said he unto me, prophesy unto the wind. Prophesy, son of man, and say to the wind. By now Ezekiel 
has got to be feeling some electricity running through his veins. He's got to be feeling something. i got to hurry. I'm, I'm way too long on this point. But you have to understand that I'm not preaching faith and I'm not preaching love. I'm preaching hope. As long as that army had been dead, they were still not hopeless. He said, breathe upon these slain. Just natural, common breathing that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath came into them, and they lived and stood upon their feet, an exceeding great army. You know, it was said one time the devil was having a yard sale. He wasn't selling his yard, but he just used it to have a sale. Should have been a sale on the yard. And all of his tools were marked with different prices. They were a fiendish lot. For sale was hatred and jealousy and deceit and lying and pride. All at expensive prices. But over to the side of the yard on display was a tool that more obviously, it was more worn than any of the other tools. And it was also the most costly. This tool was labeled discouragement. And when questioned, the devil said, it's more useful to me than any other tool. When I can't bring down my victims with any of the rest of these tools, I use discouragement, he said. Because so few, so few people realize that it belongs to me. Satan is never happier than when he sees people giving in and giving up to despair and come and becoming lost in hopelessness. Have you ever felt like your world is caving in around you and there is absolutely no hope? I have. I did some when COVID started back in March. It seemed like I was watching what God has helped us build for 27 years go down the drain. Your troubles seem to mount up insurmountably. But cheer up! I have good news. There is hope when there seems to be no hope. There are situations which appear to be totally and absolutely hopeless. The picture portrayed in Ezekiel 37 is of the nation of Israel and their captivity and displacement. The nation was virtually dead. It was lifeless, scattered, and bleached out just as this conquered army's corpses which were strewn across the battleground. There was no way humanly possible that these would ever arise from, arise from this defeat. It would be impossible. Job said, My days are swifter than a weaver's shuttle and are spent without hope. Oh, remember that my life is when mine eyes shall no more see good. There is no greater state of hopelessness than a man without Christ. John Paul Sarte wrote, Man can count on no one but himself. He is alone, abandoned on earth, in the midst of his infinite responsibilities, without help. 
with no other aim than the one he sets himself, with no other destiny than the one he forges for himself on this earth. That's what this man said. But Lenzo said, these apart from God have a feeling of meaningless and abandonment that they cannot explain. Paul wrote to the church in Ephesus, and he said that at a time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenant of promise, having no hope and without God in this world. God alone holds the answer to hopeless situations. God asked Ezekiel, son of man, can these bones live? And he said, I answered God, only you know. From man's perspective, only one answer could come from the prophet's lips. Life is impossible. It's absurd to suppose that these dead bones could ever live again. But it was God who asked the question, and it is God alone who knows the answer. A man approached a little league baseball game one afternoon. He asked a boy in the dugout what the score was. This is kind of how I feel right now. The boy responded, 18 to nothing, we're behind. Boy, the spectator said, I imagine you're really discouraged. The little boy said, why should I be discouraged? We haven't gotten up to bat yet. I like that attitude, and I need a little more of it. We may feel just a little down and out, but we just put the other team out. Devil is three outs. You go to your dugout. It's our turn to bat. You have sent your best pitcher. You've got your best outfielder. But you can't handle our God. It doesn't matter what tools you mount up against the church, whether it be discouragement or hatred or hopelessness or envy or whatever else. I'm here to say and declare this morning where there is God living and breathing, there is hope. There is always hope. Matthew 19, when his disciples heard it, they were exceedingly amazed, saying, Who then can be saved? They asked Jesus. Jesus beheld and said unto them, With men this is impossible, but with God all things are impossible. George Allen said, When you say in a situation or a person is hopeless, you are slamming the door in the face of God. Someone said, There is no hopeless situations. There are only people who have grown hopeless about them. The psalmist said, Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted within me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him who is the health of my countenance and my God. No one is hopeless whose hope is in God. J. Bailey Smith said, have you ever been in despair? The answer is simple. Quit looking at your circumstance and look at God. A pessimist pessimist finds a problem in every opportunity. The optimist finds opportunity in every problem. Don't despair for God is the answer. Again, he said unto me, Ezekiel said, prophesy to these bones. It would appear absurd to address dry bones. The picture that Ezekiel is standing in the middle of is yesterday's battlefield among corpses preaching to piles of bones. 
He learned quickly that God's ways are absolutely not man's ways. The prophet speaks at the divine command, the divine message. He speaks for God. And they who listen hear the voice of God. When God's word goes forth, things begin to happen. I just felt a little nudge in my head. It seems to me like you have to hear, have living ears to comprehend the love of God. You have to have hearing ears to comprehend faith in God. But you can have deaf ears and still have hope. The word of God goes forth. Things begin to happen. For the word of God is quick according to Hebrews. Powerful. Sharper than any two-edged sword. Paul said in Romans 10, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. He said in Romans 15, 4, For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the Scriptures might have hope. Every conflict Christ had with Satan, Jesus overcame the obstacles by using the Word of God. He declared it is written. The Word of God is a window to those in the prison of hopelessness through which they can look and see the light of hope and get direction for their lives. He said unto me, prophesy unto the wind. Prophesy, son of man, and say to the wind, Thus saith the Lord God, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon these slain, that they might live. So I prophesied, as he commanded me, and breath came into them, and they lived and stood upon their feet, an exceeding great army. A.W. Tozer wrote in his article, Born After Midnight. He said, religious instruction, however sound, is not enough by itself. It brings light, but it cannot impart sight. The assumption that light and sight are synonymous has brought spiritual tragedy to millions. The Pharisees looked straight at the light of the world for three years. But not one ray of light reached their inner being. Light is not enough. The inward operation of the Holy Spirit is necessary to save in faith. The gospel is light, but only the Spirit can give sight. Paul wrote in Romans that the Spirit is life. He said in 2 Corinthians 3.17, Now the Lord is that Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is. There is liberty. The Spirit's control will replace sin's control. The power, His power, is greater than the power of all your sin. If you have the Holy Ghost on the inside of you, you can stand any kind of battle on the outside. And Grace Church, as you stand with me this morning, I want you to see and understand with Pastor this morning. Through all of the battle of 2020, we have no doubt, I don't believe anybody's ever questioned the love of God. We may have had a few here and there that maybe stumble somewhat in faith, but 
We're still here. How do we feel about tomorrow? How do you feel about November? How do you feel about January 1st, 2021, if we're even still here? How do you feel about that? Do you think an election, if, the, if your guy wins the election in November, that everything's going to be okay for another four years? Do you really believe that that mess going on in Washington, D.C. is going to fix anything? If your faith is in that, you're just a little misguided. If your hope is in that, you're a little misguided. I remind myself daily when I hear all the stuff, my hope is not in that. I have hope in another world. And I believe God understands that people feel hopeless sometimes. So the Bible addresses that. In 1 John 4, 4, you are of God, little children, and have overcome them because greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. No doubt Moses, Paul, and even Jesus all had moments where everything around them felt a little hopeless. Jesus intimated that in the Garden of Gethsemane. If it be possible, let this cup pass from me. I can't, I can't do this. But he did. So I am more convinced now than ever that God has the church in the palm of his hand. I told Sister Murph last week, I was frustrated I just want stuff to go away for a while. Anybody feel me <laughs> this morning? But I said, you know what, after what I preached last Sunday, maybe God allowed the devil to hurl Hurricane Laura and hurl Hurricane Delta and the other however many of them that's been out in the Gulf, like a record number of them this year that's hit the United States and said it's been a record. They've not had more than this ever. Maybe God allowed the devil to hurl all them storms at us just like he did the disciples on the sea. And Jesus has been asleep on the ship the whole entire time. And we're asking, God, don't you even care? I'll be honest, I kind of thought that this past week that, God, don't you even care about Lake Charles? I mean, what was it, four or six weeks ago they got blistered with Hurricane Laura, now another one is coming. And here I am sweating. What happens to my house can happen, but I just don't want nothing to happen to our campus. And it occurred to me that maybe God is allowing all these storms to be hurled at the church. But here we are. And it has done something to my hope, man, that is unbelievable. It's been unbelievable. So I think of that song Sister Murphy used to sing. I think one of the grand, grandsons asked her, Annie, do you ever sing anymore? She said, no, I'm too old. I don't think she is. But uh, maybe that can happen one day. But she used to sing, I have hope when trouble comes my way. 
I have hope since Jesus has come to stay. I have hope, oh yes, when things are not well with me. I have hope. It's a beautiful hope that sets me free. Now when in distress, he said, come unto me. If you're oppressed, I know he'll give you liberty. Times may find, times may find you at the end of your line. But just keep the faith. Don't ever doubt the Lord will be on time. The darkest night is just before the dawn. The hardest fight that I know is just to keep holding on. But when you're weary, when you're weary, and each hill seems so hard to climb, just keep looking up. Don't ever doubt the Lord will be on time. So let me conclude today. Psalm 25, verse 1, the psalmist said unto thee, O Lord, do I lift up my soul. O my God, I trust in thee. Let me not be ashamed. Let not mine enemies triumph over me. Yea, let none that await on thee be ashamed. Let them be ashamed which transgress without cause. Show me thy ways, O Lord, and teach me thy paths. Lead me in thy truth and teach me. For thou art the God of my salvation, and on thee do I wait all day. So right now, and I cause no dispute with the word of God, but could it be for this moment, for this hour, for this day, that the greatest of these three right now, Could it be just for a little while? Could hope be the greatest of these? We're wrapped in the love of God, and our faith is still intact. But we need just a little bit of hope for what's coming on the horizon for tomorrow. So I submit to you today that just for today, the greatest of these three is hope. And I have it, and I want you to have it you to have it. There may be somebody here today that your marriage ain't looking too good. Your kids may not be doing as well as you would like for them to do. Maybe you've given up on your spouse. Someone texted me a little, not too long ago, several months ago, asking about someone in their family. Do you think that they even have the ability to even come back to God if they wanted to? If God can form a man out of dirt and just very naturally breathe into him the breath of life, what can he do with your situation? Maybe he's calling you right now into a place of fresh vision with him. And he's saying unto you, son of man, let me show you the biggest despair and the greatest disappointment you have in life right now. And I will, I'm going to command you to start preaching to that despair. Start prophesying to that hopelessness. Start portraying the word of God to the unbelievable. Start preaching what thus saith the word of God to the hopelessness in your life. 
preach the Word of God and watch the breath of God bring life to the dead, to bring life to the hopeless, to bring promise to your future. I'm not, I'm not flapping my gums here today and just giving you words. Folks, we've lived this. There's people in this building that are living this right now. All you have, seemingly, is hope. Yeah, we have the love of God and we're saved. And yes, we have faith and, and we believe. But we just need to see some new life and some new areas in our life. When you start praying that. You start preaching to that. You start witnessing to that. And see if the breath of God don't begin to move. As they begin to sing softly, those of you that are comfortable, would you gather around? Would you gather around? I want you to experience hope today. I want you to experience hope. Oh, yes it is. The atmosphere's changing. It's like I feel a shaking in the Holy Ghost. I feel a moving in the Holy Ghost. I feel promise here today. I feel, I feel hope here today. I'm not beating the air. I know what God can do. We have, we have witnessed the hand of God in our life. It may not have all turned out like we wanted, but we're still here. Somebody build on that faith. Somebody build on that hope right now that God is still alive and well. Come on, somebody. Why don't you reach heavenward right now? Why don't you reach heavenward right now? It ain't over. It ain't over. It ain't over. There's still a God that's alive and well that's still on the throne today. Come on, somebody. Reach heavenward right now. Reach heavenward right now. This is a move of God going on in this house right now. Hallelujah! Come on, there's an atmosphere. It's changing right now from being hopeless to filled with hope. There's people here today that God has healed their marriage, has ministered to their kids. What God did for them, He can do for you.